Welcome to this episode of From the Principal's Desk, a podcast for Lutheran School principals and leaders by two Lutheran School principals. My name is Rob Lunak, and I'm the principal at Mount Calvary Lutheran School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my co-host is Mike Scheman. My name is Mike Scheman. I'm principal at Bethany Lutheran School in Parma, and I, I have been now for uh, about a year and a half. Uh, it's kind of a new, still new position to me, learning a lot about the school, um, but I, I have to tell you, I never in a million years thought that I would be principal of a Lutheran school in Cleveland. Um, I have no family here. I have no ties to Cleveland, there, but there are some wonderful, wonderful people here. And uh, I tell you this story because today we're going to be talking a lot about um, how does God lead you where he leads you as a Lutheran, uh, a Luther, a Lutheran worker? It could be to a teacher, a principal, um, but we know that God has a plan for each one of us in our lives. Uh, he's called us to be uh, to be faithful. He's called us into ministry, and the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so today we're going to be talking about the call process and how do workers uh, get into different spots. And and I think we're going to hear stories about the hand of God. And now it's very clear that this is a process that is is directed by God Himself as He uh, as He calls us to serve and as He places us in areas where we can thrive and we can uh, build his community. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I think we should probably start with is what makes a call different than just any other job in a lot of our Lutheran schools. Now we have more contracted workers than I think we've had in a long time. And so the, the idea that everyone is called is one of those things that we strive towards, but it's not one of those things that we always have. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you're somehow less than if you're a contracted worker. That's not what I'm saying. God has still placed you at your school, right? God, God's hand works in all of our lives, whether you're called contracted or not in ministry at all. But the call is still this special thing that we we focus on because it is God saying to you and to that school and to that congregation, this is where I want you to be. This is where I want you to grow. And this is where I want you to reach out to the people that I've placed in that community. And so it's one of those things that we are going to approach with a little reverence and approach in a process because it's not one of those things you want to flip a coin on. And it's not one of those things that you want to tell God, hey, God, here are all the things I want to do. When I was a senior in college, uh, Concordia, Chicago, sat down with the placement coordinator and he said, hey, where are the places you would like to consider a call? And I listed five states that I'd want to go to. And then he said, is there any you'd want to avoid? And I listed five states I wouldn't want to go to. I have taught in two of them. And the other three we do not say aloud because the Lord has a sense of humor and he's going to put you where he wants to put you. That's so true. I mean, my... My experience, I've bounced around a lot too, been in different states, places I never ever would have imagined. But um, let's start maybe even at the beginning on on becoming a call worker. Um, there's there's multiple processes or roads that you could take to get uh, to become, um, have your name on the roster. One of those is graduating from a Concordia, an LCMS institution, and going through the, uh, the uh, classes that, that roster you at that point. So you could graduate um, with that tag on your name and then you are you go through the placement process so after going through concordia they will place you at a school as, as rob just mentioned um but there's also people that are out there that are contracted workers in schools that decide they want to go through the process of colloquy 
And uh, there's multiple ways to do that. The uh, probably the most common one is through QNET. And that's, uh, you would take courses while you are still working. And uh, these courses would then lead you to become uh, eligible to be on the church roster and to take a call. So that's something that is, is a very uh, personal decision. It's something that I encourage people to do because called workers really are one of the hallmarks of Lutheran schools. We train our workers in such a way that they can present Lutheran doctrine um, in accordance with, with what we believe, teach, and confess as Lutherans. Um, and there are people who are not called who can still do that. I'm not saying that the, the colloquy courses give you that um, special sauce that makes it better than everybody else. It certainly does take you through the scriptures in a very deep way, and it provides a very solid ground a solid foundation for you to answer those tough questions that your kids may ask. Uh, but I'll tell you, even as a called worker, there's times that I get questions and I'm going, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to go ask my pastor or I'm going to have to go get other information. So it does not make you infallible. It does not make you better than anybody else, but it is certainly something that, that we value as Lutheran schools. And as you go through that process, you'll get to know yourself and your skills and what's your mission. And I think if people can really clarify why they do what they do, it's going to help them as they consider where God would have them serve. You want to be in a place where uh, your gifts and skills are what's needed in that place. So a, a quick story, I've had uh, a few times in my career where I've had multiple calls, um, two, even three at certain times. And um, it's it's always a wrestle or a struggle. And and I've, you know, we'll, we'll talk in a bit about how do you go through considering a call but in going through considering it, there was one where I was convinced I was going to be going to one school. But as I got to know these multiple schools, I could see that my gifts were a better fit in the other one. And I never, ever saw myself going to that place, like you said, Rob. And that's where I ended up going. And God bless that. So um, we'll talk about deliberating a call here. But if you know your skills and where God, how God can use you in his kingdom, that will certainly help inform where you're going to go with a call. Yeah, I think that's really important because God doesn't call you to be everything everywhere. He doesn't call you to be great at everything or to be able to reach everybody. And if you know deep down in your heart that you really love living in a small town and you have family, let's say you're in the middle of Nebraska, there's a ton of Lutheran churches and schools in Nebraska. You grew up there. You love the Cornhuskers. You have all of your family there. You don't even want to drive past a big city. Anytime you see more than two stoplights, you're like, no, this is not for me, right? You love that type of small town. And then you get a interview, comes out, hey, would you interview with us? We're in the heart of New York City. And to, to say right away offhand, no, kind of takes God out of that process. Don't, don't do that unless you're absolutely certain. Be open to at least looking at some of those things because maybe God has great plans for you there. But if you know after that, hey, that first interview, hey, this isn't going to be for me, it's not going to help you or that congregation to kind of string them along just to string them along. Uh, it's not, uh, not the kind thing to do. And you, you'll hear God speak to you through those things. And if, if you hear God saying, hey, this one's not for you, be, be upfront and be honest about that. But as Mike said, Sometimes God works on our hearts in ways we don't anticipate and we don't plan and says, you know what, this is actually what I want you to do. And then that becomes apparent. But if we if we put our own spin on it from the beginning and ignore the process and don't pray about it and just think we are going to make all those decisions, you're going to close yourself off from what the Lord would consider. Now, speaking of 
that process. Let's talk about that process from kind of beginning to, to considering at least. When you graduate from a Concordia, it used to be you got an envelope. And the envelope is where you went. We don't do envelopes anymore. Unless you're a pastor. If you're a pastor, they, you have call night and they tell you. They still do that. If you're a teacher, you will be interviewing with places as you are in your senior year. And if you are in the field already, you'll be interviewing with places if you have either would consider or seeking and sometimes even would not consider on your uh, commissioned minister information form. It used to be the LEAF. Now it's the CMIF. Uh, Mike, what happens next after you've you've updated your information, which your district asks you to do every year? If you haven't updated your information yet, after this episode, go update your information just because you have it out there. What happens next, Mike? So after that point, um, you, your name goes on onto the list, and you become eligible to um, to be seen by. Uh, schools by districts that are looking for people. And so um, on the other side of that call process, you have a school that says they need a principal, they're going to reach out to their district ed exec, who is going to then uh, grant them access to the CMF. So on the on the CMF, you do put a lot of information about your experience, um, your interests. And and then of course, the system in the background, uh, we the schools punch in what they're looking for, and then the list comes up. So as people go through that list, they take a look at, at your CMIF. And there are some questions that are on there as well that go beyond just checking a simple box. And I really encourage people to be um, to be thorough in their responses, not saying you need to write an essay, but um, it, it is frustrating when you're looking for a worker and these questions are on there and they're blank. Um, I think that's a really good way for uh, ministries to start vetting their candidates to see who it is that God might be leading them to. Um, so then after that, uh, the ministries go through, they usually come up with a list of names and you might be on that list. Um, but that's when you're going to get that contact. Uh, they'll, they'll, you'll get an email saying, Hey, I'm the school board chair from such and such a place. And we are wanting to know, would you be open to interviewing with us? Would you be open to considering a call to wherever we are? And as a worker, I encourage people to get, uh, to have an idea on how they want to approach those things. There is no right or wrong approach. I, I don't think there's there's a right or wrong way to do this. There's some protocol that is, that is proper to follow, but I know people wrestle with, if I get that email, should I do an interview with that school? And that's a personal decision. Um, for me, I usually do. Um, I, I love to interview with the schools because I get to hear what they're doing. Uh, I, they, they, tell about all the great things, their best practices, their story. I love hearing the stories of Lutheran schools. Um, but during that interview, they'll ask you a lot of questions and, and you answer them. I always love at the end, they say, do you have any questions for us? And I'm pretty open about that. I don't have a lot of questions for schools during, a, during an interview process because typically I'm not seeking. I'm not trying to um, impress them. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to be genuine. And at that point, I don't have any questions. Now, if they extend me a call, I have an extensive list of questions. That's a whole other story. Um, so whether or not you interview is up to you. If you don't interview, I encourage a response to that email anyway um, to say to the school, hey, listen, I'm not at a point right now where I would, it would be good for me to interview or to consider um, a call, but I'll keep you in my prayers and then do it. Add them to your prayer list for a while. Um, I, I've received many of those emails where I've, I've chosen not to interview 
but I always follow them along. I, I love to see when do they get a principal. And I do, I have a, a separate document with a prayer list for the schools that I'm lifting up. And so that's not just empty platitudes. It's, it's real um, to keep them in prayer. So, so then the interview process comes and it goes and, and Rob, have you, have you done a lot of interviews? What's, what's your take on that? Yeah. If you are a Lutheran school teacher, principal involved in Lutheran schools at all, there's a, a teacher and principal shortage. And so if you are out there and you have would consider or seeking, you are probably being contacted. And even if you have would not consider, you might still be contacted, as I mentioned earlier. And it's one of those things where I will usually at least interview and learn a little bit more about them because, you know, God connects that church and you and says, hey, look at this. This is something I want you to look at because those things for you as a, a teacher or a principal come out of the blue. You don't email that school and say, hey, I'd love to interview with you. They get your name and they get a list of them and they are moved by the Holy Spirit to add you to their list of interviews. And so they they contact you and say, hey, would you interview with us? And there are there are a couple where I've said, hey, you know what? I'm not in a spot where I'd be able to consider a call, whether that's, you know, you just started somewhere or you just accepted a call or maybe it, it's moving across the country and you're not able to uproot your family at that moment, right? Sometimes those things do happen. And sometimes you say, hey, as Mike said, not at this time, but I'm going to add you to my prayers and I pray that you guys find somebody. But when you do interview with those places, it's really important that you be you. And I know that's really difficult. You're you're meeting strangers and they're asking you questions that maybe you know the answers to and maybe you don't know the answers to and maybe you you want to impress them, but you just got to be be you. And that applies to the, the CMIF as well. I have a sense of humor that I don't know how to turn off. That's just kind of how I am. So on my CMIF for like other things you'd want us to know, I put uh, time person of the year 2006. Because the time person of the year 2006 is you, everybody, right? Which I thought was a funny thing to put in. It's true. <laughs> it's, but then you get a handle on, oh, this guy, this guy thinks he's funny, which I, you know, I do kind of think I'm funny. And just getting your personality out there because I, yes, am a church professional, a church worker. But if I couldn't express joy and a little bit of mischief in what I do, I'd be miserable. And so I know right away if, if somebody's like, oh, what what silly guy would put that on? Then I, I know right away that that relationship is something, if if I do accept that call, okay, me and this person don't quite agree on this thing, and, but that's an opportunity for me, right? It's information. It's helpful stuff. One of the things I do want to bring up on those statuses for would not consider, would consider in seeking I wonder if it's even faithful to put would not consider. I struggle with that one because if, if we're saying God is the divine authority across our lives, why would we say, I won't interview with anybody no matter what? You got any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, it, same thing. I, no, no right or wrong, but it, it's almost to the point where it doesn't matter what your status is. If the Holy Spirit um, has a plan for you, it's going to happen one way or the other. And so um, I certainly understand why the status is there. And I get, I totally get what you're saying. So um, I, I think would not consider could also be seen as I'm just going to be really open with y'all. And I'm going to say, you're going to, uh, I mean, I'm up. Um, 
I, I've been on that status and I still I still get the emails, but I'm just open with people to say, you know what, I if you extended me a call right now, I can already tell you, I mean, barring a, a two by four from God himself, um, I'm, I'm not going to be accepting a call at this point. So, um, but so, so let's jump forward then and say, you've interviewed, you've been contacted, whatever. And now um, it has gone to the congregation. They have extended you a call. It's gone to the voters. And now you, you, the next phone call you get is you officially have been called uh, to be our new principal, to be our new teacher, whatever it is. Um, at that point, I think it's important to recognize that you have two calls right there. You have the call to the ministry that you're serving, and then you have the call that's been extended to you from another ministry. And as you navigate this, you want to make sure that you're taking care of both of those calls. You'll still have work to do where you are and serving in the call that you're there. Um, but as you consider, the question becomes, what are what are the things that you want to consider? What are the things that you need to consider? Um, and I, th I think the first thing that I always go to is the most important thing. Tell me about the ministry. This is where I start unpacking a lot of questions. Give me the history of your school. Where have you come from? Where do you see your school in 5, 10, 15 years? Um, I, I've even been so bold as to say, why did you call me? What were you looking for that you felt I fit the bill on? And that's been a fun question to ask. Um, but really to start there, you'll get the call documents and you should make sure that you have those call documents within almost 24 hours with our digital world today, that they can be PDF'd your way, knowing that probably there's the post U.S. post office has something coming for you as well. Um, but immediately to start praying, pray with the pray with them on the phone. Um, when they tell you that they've called you, um, ask for prayers, be open with that first with your family. But then comes that awkward time of you have a call, another call now, and you need to let your community know because we don't deliberate in isolation. Um, it's sometimes you may want to do that, but you never know who at your current ministry is connected to the ministry that has extended you a call. And I would rather control the grapevine than have it be seen as, oh, hey, Mr. Sheeman is looking to leave. Well, people sometimes misinterpret what the call process is. So there's lots to consider. Um, you get that, you get the call documents. And, and then the next thing that I usually look at has to do with, um, with salary, with housing, with benefit package, because there are those tangibles that you need to consider. And Rob, what's your take on salary? Do you negotiate? What if it's low? What if it's high? How do you you should know your cost of living where you're currently at. And I would look at the the consumer price index for kind of where you're going. Uh, what's cost of living where you're going to be and how much do you need to be making to make that work? If you are going from an area where everything's very affordable and then your salary is staying the same and you're moving to an area where housing costs twice as much, is that something that you can realistically do? And God, God doesn't call us to be millionaires sorry <laughs> he does not i know it'd be much easier if he did but that is that is not the divine plan we'll be rich in heaven that doesn't mean we'll be rich all the time here on earth but those things do still matter and you do still need to be honest with the congregation about them and say hey and i i've, I've done this before i've i've had a call and I've said, hey, here's what I'm making right now. I see that you guys are offering this. Here is 
based on the information I've gathered, kind of what we would need to see to kind of break even in a sense. I'm not looking for raise, but being upfront with people about some of that. And sometimes congregations come back and they go, oh, you know, we didn't know this and there was, there was the wrong number. And sometimes they say, well, that's, that's what we pay, right? When my wife and I were in Kansas City, Missouri, we were each on our second call then. We each took a call right out of college to different ends of the country. Uh, and then <laughs> got married and then like, we should live together or we should take a call in the same place. Wouldn't that be great? And so we did. And we each took a pay cut to move to where we were so we could be together and serve that ministry. And at a voters meeting that came up and they said, well, you guys should just be so thankful. Look how much we're paying you. And we had to be honest with them and say, well, actually, compared to what we were making as starting teachers, this is actually like, I think I took like a $7,000 pay cut and she took like a $5,000 pay cut to go to that ministry. And churches own the people looking at that salaries and putting together those packages. There's usually a scale from your district. Sometimes a church or school can't be on scale because of finances, but they just need to, to know where you're at. And usually they'll ask you, especially if you have you know, if you're currently working, they'll ask you, hey, what's the range of your salary right now? And they'll try to, to factor that into their decision. Now, that being said, while the bank does not take my prayers as payment on my mortgage, money is not the most important part of that decision. It is a factor. But the most important part of that decision is how is God working in your life and calling you towards these things. And these are human problems that we put in to this process that muddy the waters, but that cannot be the sole deciding factor. So let's say you have that call paperwork. I've always been told you have anywhere between two and four weeks to kind of decide and, and give an answer back. And I guess decides the wrong word to define the will of God in your life and then either return that call or accept that call. So what do you do in that meantime, Mike? How do, you, how do you treat both the place you're called at that moment and then the, that second call you have out there? How do you mesh those together while you deliberate? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I feel like um, you really want to work to honor and respect both. And if a call really prompts... Um, this is the wrong word, but I feel it's almost like a forced self-reflection um, and, and forced is too harsh, but uh, it gives you a chance to really reflect on the ministry where you're, where you're serving. And, and I always like to find some key leaders and some key people and, and ask them some tough questions. And I, I'm not looking for them to blow sunshine in my ear. If they like what I'm doing, I'm not looking for them to be super critical if they don't, but to say, do you feel that I'm still effective in this place? Um, I served one school where I felt like after being there for quite a while, we'd done a lot of great things, but I felt like my voice was starting to become um, decreased in volume in, in some ways. And so I had the chance to ask some people and they said, you know, yeah, you've done some great things. Um, and we see that you certainly could keep on going. We also see God could have somebody else here. So we're kind of a, yeah, either, either is good. But to have some real honest conversations with people in your current ministry, but then also to, to get to know the people in the, the one that's calling you. Um, I always like to ask, you know, uh, who are the people that you feel I should be talking to? And of course, during that process, to a degree, it feels like they're rolling out the red carpet. They're going to give you the the biggest cheerleaders, the 
um, people that speak the best about the plays. And I always like to ask some questions too about what are what are the challenges that you see here? Is your entire congregation supportive of this school? Or what are some tangible ways that your pastor is involved in the ministry? There's so many facets to look at. Now, um, I in many, many cases, I've had it where the calling school has said, we would like to invite you to come and see our place. And in the cases where I've had it, it's it's simultaneous with the, hey, we've extended you a call and we want you to come visit. I usually don't accept a, an invitation to visit until I get a sense that, you know what, maybe this is a thing. Maybe God is leading me. So if if a visit's involved, that two to four week window that Rob talked about for me might be extended a little bit. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you don't want to keep them on the line too, too much. Um, if you get the sense you're really not going to be accepting this call, I would encourage you not to waste time or resources on a visit. Um, they, because it, it comes at a cost to the calling congregation for either flights, gas, hotel, food, whatever. Um, so so if, if you go, you're kind of giving the impression that this is pretty serious. You, you may still be up in the air. Now I've visited places and accepted the call and I've visited places and decline the call because a visit does really give you the best sense of a place. And so if you're wrestling to go um, and visit, and then if you end up declining the call, that's okay too. Uh, you don't want to simply accept it because you went and visited. Um, one thing I think it's important to realize is that God has a plan and God knows who he will place in, in these positions. And so let's say that you get a call I had one case, I really felt attached to this school. I loved the pastor. I loved the faculty. It was vibrant. It matched my mission. And it ended up that I declined the call for various reasons, but it didn't feel great to decline it, but I knew that's what God was leading me to do. Um, they eventually, uh, it was about a year later, they got a principal and this guy was exactly what they needed. He he did so many tremendous things. He had way more qualifications than I did. He had more experience in exactly what that school needed. Um, but he was not ready to even receive a call during the time that I was deliberating. So God could be using you um, to help that school in a, in a unique way while he's preparing the person that he already has in place. So don't feel like a call is a waste of time or the deliberation is a waste of time. If you decline the call, God will use that to his glory. Yeah. And that's, there's something else that we haven't touched on that I think is important. Never accept a call conditionally. Never accept a call and then say, well, it's going to depend on, you know, I'll take the call, but it's going to depend on if we can get a house or if I really like the people. The, the worst thing you can do for yourself and for a congregation is to take a call and then like three weeks later be like ah, i changed my mind yeah. or you get there and you've been working for a month and you go nah, i don't really like this i'm gonna i'm gonna leave well yes god can work through all things god's plan is generally not that you take a call and then take that back because you I don't know, didn't find a house you like, or the commute was too far. Those are things you should really look at and, and have full information going into that deliberating process. Now, I guess I can't say God would never do that, right? God, God is an all-powerful and wondrous being who does things I don't understand plenty of the time, but it it's at least bad practice. I can say that. It's at least bad practice. 
Now, once once you have, let's say you've accepted a call. Let's say it's, you know, this time of year, it's December. You've accepted a call. Generally, that call is going to start. You know, you will start working that next school year. You're, you'll be called that whole time at that other place, right? And I would encourage you to stay connected to that call while also continuing to do the work you're currently doing. You never want to take a call and then seven months later, finally email somebody from over there and be like, oh, I'm planning on moving. I haven't heard from anybody. That's generally not great. So keep in touch with them. Continue to pray for them. If you are stepping into a, a leadership position in that new call, ask to be included on some of those bigger decisions. Not that you're going to make them, but just so you know what's going on and stay in touch with that, that school or that congregation as you move forward. I think we've covered a lot of it. This is one of those things that probably could have been split into two episodes. Uh, I think one episode is where we're going to leave it. Uh, Mike, you have always been very helpful when I've been deliberating things, and you have such uh, such great words of wisdom and such great prayers over this process. Do you think you could end us with a great prayer over it? Yeah, I think anytime we get a chance to talk to God, it's a great time. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Let's end this with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of the church. Um, you have plans for each one of us, um, ultimately the plan to be with you for eternity in heaven. And we thank you that you use Lutheran schools to be able to share that message with kids and with their families and, and to use it as a ministry to those who serve as well. Um, Lord, we know that the, the harvest is plentiful. We know the workers are few. And so as you speak into each one of our lives as your servants, we ask for your guidance. We ask that as we deliberate calls when they come our way, that you would um, provide the wisdom that we need, the direction that we need. Um, and we know, God, that you are taking care of our needs through your riches in Christ. And so uh, we ask for you to openly speak through your spirit and to guide and direct your workers in your church. Um, we thank you, God, for all of the gifts that you give us, especially the gift of Jesus, as it is a joy to share um, in his life as, as his children. So bless all who lead, bless all who serve, um, and bless all of us in the work that you've called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, uh, I don't know if we'll have one next week. Christmas is almost here. So if we don't see you, have a Merry Christmas. Have a blessed rest of the year. We'll see you guys next time.